0: you in
1: the Waterloop. Hi, this is Travis with Waterloop. Water conservation is very important to me. I bet it is to many of you as well. That's why I have High Sierra Showerheads in my house, and I'm really happy that they're a supporter of this podcast. They carry the EPA WaterSense label for efficiency, and they use 40% less water than conventional low-flow showerheads. The model I use, runs at only a gallon and a half per minute. And because of their unique nozzle design, patented, that nobody else has, it maximizes efficiency of water and energy, but doesn't compromise on performance. You still get a very strong shower. Use promo code WATERLOOP for 20% off at HighSierraShowerHeads.com. WATERLOOP, WATERLOOP, WATERLOOP. Welcome to WaterLoop. This is Travis, joined for this episode by Catherine Lucero. She's in El Paso, Texas. She is the Community Environmental Management Specialist with Communities Unlimited. Catherine, thanks for coming on the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me, Travis.
1: We tried for a while with our busy schedules to make this happen. I'm glad we finally were able to do so. Uh, really interested in talking today uh, to you about colonias. Um, these are something I learned about back when I was at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in D.C. as they were talking about programs to help kind of communities that are out there that are just really lacking resources. Um, and so could you t- explain to people what colonias are?
0: Of course. So the term colonia is, is a Spanish word for neighborhoods. And so uh, it's a very, it's a fitting word because people that live in colonias are primarily uh, about 80% Hispanic, US citizens, however, Hispanics. And so it's a, it's a term near and dear to many who are Hispanic. Um, Basically, very, many different agencies have a different definition for colonias as to what constitutes a colonia to be able to tie into funding. But essentially, it's an, a neighborhood that lacks basic services such as water, wastewater, lighting, uh, paved roads, things like that. Mm. Your, ba- your basic essentials.
1: Yeah, and so where where are they located? I know this is along the U.S. Mexico border, um, but yeah, where 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 are they found?
0: So along the U.S. Mexico border, um, from California, Arizona, Texas, so across across the U.S. Mexico border is okay. where you'll find them. Uh, usually, up to 150 miles from the border is where you would be able to still classify an area as a colonia, depending, again, on the funder. But usually that's that's your, your cutoff area, 150 miles from the border.
1: And what's the estimate of how many people uh, live in colonias?
0: So in Texas, it's over um, 800,000. Oh, wow. And it is different across... Um, Across Arizona and California, although Texas being that we're the biggest state, and we always, we always want to have the most, <laughs> so we have the most um, cluster of colonias and and people in colonias. Uh, New Mexico also. I'm sorry, I left New Mexico out. New Mexico also has colonias, although they do have smaller ones. I'll tell you that being here, my my work has always been in in El Paso, Texas, in the county here of El Paso. But because we're so close to New Mexico, we have had—I've—I've I've worked on Colonia projects for water, first-time water service that literally are right by New Mexico, like you could throw a rock across, and so you're you're right into another Colonia. Hmm. So it's an interesting dynamic. Uh,
1: could you explain how these areas formed? People hear that there is a neighborhood, a community that doesn't have basic infrastructure. How did that happen?
0: So it's that's another area that I find very interesting. And and even here in El Paso and some other border cities, depending on who you might ask, you'll have a different um, a different response. However, the 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 truth is that there was developers back in the 60s, 70s and 80s who who would sell sell raw land, raw property. To folks who were wanting to to access the American dream, and so I speak a lot in quotations, <laughs> but they wanted to access the American dream, and the American dream, of course, is home ownership. And so, what would happen is they would sell the, these raw areas. Some of them, many of them, in fact, um, they were not uh, yet um, subdivided. Uh. Uh, so. It, there was all kinds of legal issues that once a person bought this property would have to, would have to face. However, so they w- would tell these folks, as soon as the area is occupied and all of the properties that I have to sell are sold, then the water and the sewer and electricity and even a park, everything, paved roads will come. But we need to make sure that it's all occupied first. So these folks would sign over the, usually it was a contract for deed, and so they would pay usually the that particular broker or developer um, monthly payments and then they would go on about their life and never, never did they come back to actually develop the property or the wow. subdivision. It was left. So you have some areas still um, that aren't subdivided, but most many are because of the colonial laws that came about specifically in Texas. So you do have many that are subdivided, but you still have a few that have some challenges as to um, as to the legality of the subdivision. What would also occur with these um, colonias and the contract for deed is once the properties were paid off, or if they let's say let's say they were close to being paid off, um, they would come and, and if they missed a payment, they would take back the property. Essentially, and so there was just a lot of predatory lending and a lot of injustice going on. And, and so, thank goodness that the state took notice and did a lot to correct many of those things.
1: And you mentioned. I think you made the point of saying that uh, this is not a, a situation where you have non-U.S. citizens just filling mm-hmm. these areas, right? Uh, some people may try to write off the conditions, say, "Oh, well, they're not U.S. citizens; these aren't, you know, legal immigrants, and all that kind of thing," and just say, "So that's what it is." But that's not the case.
0: That's not the case. In fact, um, might have even increased uh, since the last study. But there was a study done in 2018 and the primary um, folks that live in colonias are U.S. citizens, 70 to 80%. Um, I'll tell you, when I was going to grad school here in El Paso, um, in 20, I think that was 2014, 2013, around there, uh, we were were talking about colonias and, and the instructor asked one of the students, you know, well, where do you think colonias come from? And it was interesting to hear that even people that grew up in El Paso, have uh, an opinion that they're squatters people came and they just squat on this piece of land so suddenly it's theirs that's not any that's not the case at all i want to completely put <laughs> people's mind people in colonials have paid for their property with blood sweat and tears uh, many times I, I don't know if i want if you would mind we skip a little bit to some of the housing component yeah sure Okay, so many times they buy this, they bought, they purchased the raw property, okay? Let's just say, take us back 20, 25 years, Purchase the raw property. And so many times they, they moved in a, a mobile home, which sometimes could have been an RV or an actual mobile home, dilapidated, but it's their home. And they would build, find materials, pay for materials, month by month to kind of build around that mobile home, build a, a permanent structure, so the, these homes, um, many of them have taken years to get to what you see now. So sometimes you go to Colonia and it's very mixed. The dwellings are mixed. So you see you see a dilapidated mobile home and next to it you see a a beautiful house that's like two or three stories. People don't understand that that home has taken 30, 40 years to build. Wow. With literally very, very, um, some of these folks have worked in construction so you know the spare spare um, you know spare things that are left over from the construction projects or donations, or they've gone to the to the to um, areas where you know even in the landfill you find a lot of good stuff to be able sure. to construct. I've seen I've seen everything and and I've been completely in awe as to as to what people can do when they want to be able to build their own home.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah. let's dive into the water situation in these neighborhoods. What what is commonly uh, found when it comes to water services? Not none, really, right?
0: Yeah, and it's different across. Um, even in, in, in Texas and in Mexico and Arizona and, uh, and California, it's different across. So even in El Paso here, so we have we we have taken care of through the state and the EPA. Um, Assistance in the USDA and the Texas Water Development Board. We have been able to take care of the majority of colonias that don't have water, so we have about 20% now of colonias that don't have water, and so the the these last percentage of colonias have a have um, extreme amounts of barriers that we we we're still working to break through, um, and so what it looks like is there's some some colonias that use well water and. The wells, depending on where you live, are very low producing, so they don't really function. And there's other areas here in El Paso, I know for sure, and and some across the the state that have um what what are they called um tanks, water uh, tanks. Yeah. And so the haulers will come in and they'll fill up those tanks. Now that water's not. Potable. They don't use it to drink, so they use it primarily to to bathe and and other household things, not to drink or cook with. So they spend money on the water hauler, right up to eighty bucks every time. Usually, it's a two thousand gallon um, tank. So during summer months, with the water, their utility usage with the water that they have hauled, and also paying for bottled water because that's usually what they drink. Um, we, we've done <clears throat> studies and it costs up to $225 a month. Wow. For so that's more than 30%. If if you're living in an area and the median income, usually the median income in colonias is, it ranges from 27,000 to 29,000. And that's, that's from the U S census. But I can tell you that doing individual surveys in colonias, um, the median income has been about 14,000 to 19,000. So Significantly lower than the national average,
1: and then you're taking a big part of that income for that for that mm-hmm. extra water because they have to get it hauled out there and, and everything. And then what about what about the situation with toilets in some of these areas?
0: You know, like, like I was explaining to you earlier, most of the properties, at least that I've um, worked with, they have built their homes, so they do have um, functioning. Um, commodes and they do have functioning um, stuff that the, that will go out. Um, so are they, are they it, using
1: septic systems then? Yeah.
0: we also use septic systems. I I can tell you though, there are some areas uh, that still, for whatever reason, could be a failure of the septic system that have um that have cesspools. So it just really depends. And that's across, that's a, in every colonia um, that doesn't have pipe sewer. Hmm. So many of our colonias already do have pipe sewer, but there are some that aren't. Um, they still don't have pipe sewer, so they, you. it just depends. But I, I think that, um, well, I know that, that the property owners do their best to make sure that they have decent functioning commodes.
1: Yeah. the The 20% of colonias that don't have, you know, the water infrastructure in place really just what's it like for those people for those families um you know the the challenges for them
0: so if, if i may speak um to where where i have the most base of knowledge which is here in el paso so it really depends so we have a colonia that's called Waco tanks and if you go out there it's it's really beautiful it's like almost it's going out i don't know have you been to el paso
1: i have not unfortunately
0: no. okay so it's it's like it's it's kind of a uh historic area. Um it's called Waco Tanks and there's beautiful mountains and stuff but in in there in Waco Tanks you have a large cluster of colonias, but the property the properties there in Waco Tanks are much um larger an acre or more in some instances than what they are in other colonias. So the folks in Waco Tanks, they haul water and some of them also like I was explaining have wells. So they, they, have, they have to pay more because they're farther out for their water hauling. Um, if their wells fail, things like that, they will have a challenge and they won't have water. So I would say Waco tanks probably struggles more in order to access water, even if they have a, a water hauling, uh, a tank to be able to have the water hauled. We have some colonias, and this is probably about, I would say, 15 miles out of, out of the city. Still in the county of El Paso, but it's out of the city. Some of the colonias that are more, um, are located more in more dense areas, for example, the Lower Valley Water District and in, um, in the county in general. One in particular is called Cochrane, and that one has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, another organization is now helping this area. In fact, they're going to have water pretty soon, um, but they are kind of sandwiched in between several water districts. So it's a very, they look out their window and they can see the, they can see water pipes. They can see pipe water. And then there's, there's, there's this area and it's a small, smaller colonia. So it hasn't, so this area hasn't had the ability to access state or federal funding because of the amount of folks that live in the area. So that's another challenge that you see in colonias depending on the amount of people. You know, you, most, many times state, and federal agencies need to, to to spend those dollars where they can get the most, I guess, help out to people that live in the area. So mm. yeah. it's, that's pretty much what it is. And they, you know, they're working class people. They work really hard. Some of them, um, believe it or not, I have, I've had professors from UTEP that live in colonias. I've had teachers, um, uh, police officers. There's just different types of folks that live in colonias and it, and it, it just ranges, so it's not just oh the you know people coming in are from from Mexico or just the really poor. it just really ranges hmm.
1: that's interesting, so you mentioned that there's been a lot of progress though over the past couple decades, right you're up to like eighty percent. Um, could you talk a little bit more about how that progress has happened and and kind of the role of of your organization communities unlimited um, how you how you work and, and address the situation?
0: Sure. So um, I started with Communities Unlimited in 2017. Prior to to that, um, I worked with the state of Texas at the Texas Secretary of State. And the Texas Secretary of State had a program specific for colonias. It was called Colonia, Colonia Initiatives. And so through this program, what, what we did were called persons, And we were able, and this was across the state of Texas, so across the border. We were able to access, we were able to bring every all of the stakeholders together, right? So be it the county commissioner, all of the elected at all different levels, cities, counties, state, and federal, tie in the funders. And, and our main, main point, of course, is, is our, is our colonial residents. And so tying everybody together and Advocate and assist Colonia um, stakeholders themselves to advocate to be able to bring projects together. So we have a coordinate projects. So what we've kind of done: there's several of us that now work for Communities Unlimited. So we've kind of taken that model and applied it here at Communities Unlimited. So we 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 bring everybody together, and because we already have um, many of the relationships with with the local, state and federal organizations were able to were able to come up with with ways to fund these projects that are still lacking. Water. And we have moved on to, to wastewater projects because that's another area that is lacking and that needs to be it's an environmental issue as well as a health issue. So that's another concern that needs to be addressed and, and that's where we're, we've kind of also shifted some of our, our um, efforts.
1: So do you feel like there's enough funding coming in from the state, from the federal government to, to keep making progress? It's not necessarily a lack of funding. It's just kind of working through the different areas.
0: What I think, Travis, and I've, I've, this has been something that was noted since I worked at, at with the state, uh, I think that what's needed is just a little bit more of flexibility as far as as being able to make a project a reality. I think there's still several um, barriers as far as red tape. and and it takes in order to really do a good project, a good colonial project, and really infrastructure project in areas that don't have water or wastewater, you need to be able to to have some flexibility. As far as to making it work, and so sometimes that means coordinating funding with, with uh, the USDA and the EPA, mm. and we need to be able to to work with each other as far as as far as um, as far as the environmental reports, and, and you know, being, having that flexibility, saying okay, if you if you've already done this, then we can tie that into that, and just really mapping out those projects, and I think we've made some progress in that area um i the the state of texas has what's called um twic meetings and all the agencies come together and and so colonial projects can be involved in there as well and so you know the projects are discussed or the needs are discussed but i think still that some of the some of the um some of the red tape can be it it needs to be a bit more flexible in order to make projects work
1: i mean you mentioned before how a community can't really even qualify if there's not enough people there. I mean, that could be one example, right? It's like, oh, we want to get water to these folks, but not That's enough of
0: them. That's just barriers, and I'll tell you, when I worked at the state, I knocked on everybody's door, be it the NAD Bank, the USDA, the Texas Water Development Board, TDA. There wasn't a door that I didn't knock on to be able to try to get funding to, to this particular Colonia Cochrane but because of the amount of people which there's twenty two residents right now, and um the occupancy uh for that subdivision is up to seventy two so it just it 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 wasn't a reality it could not it didn't fit in any of the boxes that we needed to check off so i'm I'm glad that dig deep has taken and found funding for that, and they've taken the they've taken the They've taken the lead on that project.
1: Oh, cool! So, so you guys sometimes Dig Deep is involved in this, uh, the Colonias also. I, I talked to yeah. them because of their um, involvement in Navajo Nation. Um, yeah. And what they do there. Cool.
0: Okay. Navajo Nation is a good example. Like, if as we as we look at different things, Colonias, Navajo Nation, that they have similarities in in, in the lack of access to water, and also the way the properties are and things like that. So there's very many similarities.
1: Mm, interesting. What's uh, what's it like uh, when a, a community is able to gain access to water, when there is a project and that that water comes in? What have you seen, what's that like to see, especially from the, the, the people's perspective?
0: So when, when I, and I'll tell you, I, I can speak to when I worked at the state because that's been the, of my experience, and also it just you know it, it's they stick with you. So I don't think people that work in colonias that do work like myself or the others that work in these nonprofits, we definitely don't do it for the for the the bang, the buck, the big buck, or <laughs> or glory or any of that because there's it's very it's definitely not um, the motivator. But um, so in I'll, I'll, if I could tell you a short story, of course. Uh, so there's a colonia called Colonial Revolución um, here in El Paso. And that was another colonia that was sandwiched so in between several water districts. And so I started working with this colonia in about, I want to say 2011. I came on board with, with the state in 2009, and it might have been 2010. It was many years, but anyhow. So um, there was a spark plug there. We call it a spark plug because this there's there's always one or two people that are, advocating continually and they're knocking on the doors they just need some steps right so anyhow um they showed me these letters and they had sent letters as a community in colonias usually when we meet we meet outside of somebody's house on their property and you know there's they bring snacks we all when we meet together there outside it's usually outside yard type of meetings so we've had a, a meeting and they showed me these letters they sent to all of the water districts here in El Paso. said, hey, we would like to access water. And so they sent it to this one and they said, no, I'm sorry, you belong to another water district. Then they sent it to the other water district, no, sorry, you belong to it. So literally they were ping pong around, okay? So we, I sat with them, we, we sat together many, many nights, um, meeting and trying to figure out a way. And, and we put everybody, we put all the right folks together and it took us about three years before we got a project, but once they got water, um, ultimately the USDA was able to provide water for them. But once they got water, it was a completely different dynamic. They're always very close-knit community, but water just changes, it changes them um, emotionally and it changes them socially and it changes them financially. So it's a completely different, um, I guess, community and, and the value of water they really do appreciate it. So it does increase their taxes somewhat, which they're very aware of, but that's great. They're, they're already taxpayers anyhow. Um, but it also increases their health. You know, they're no longer hauling water. Now they can drink the water that's healthy for them. So incre- it increases their health. So the benefits are, are they're they, they things that we take for granted. Our health, our, our finances, our social emotional. Um, there, there is folks from from colonias that that we were able to assist with water. Uh, that you know, growing up not having water, kids would tease them in the school saying, you know, you did you shower today? We know you don't have water, and and this you we know how kids are, so that sense of pride having water, and not having any more of a stigma on you, it's really it's 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 life changing. Mm-hmm.
1: When, oh, a, when we
0: say water is life, we mean it.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great testimony to to how much how important water is for all those different reasons. That's incredible. Well, um, you know, how optimistic are you about that other twenty percent of the colonists that are out there and eventually, you know, chipping away and, and getting close to a hundred percent served? You
0: know, I'm optimistic in the sense that for the areas that are are. Near a water service provider, I think that we can, if we're able to to get some of our our funding organizations, funding agencies to kind of think out of the box a little bit and 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 break through their own barriers of red tape. I think we can make things happen. I think we can we can provide um, we can provide access to water. I think in some of the areas, if I'm being if I'm being real and honest, in some of the areas, probably like Waco Tanks. I think that would be more of a challenge and not that we're not up for the challenge, but I think that there also, we have to be realistic that there are people that move into some areas and, and some areas because they want that type of, 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 of life. Mm-hmm. And for oh, tanks, it's beautiful. If, if you ever get an opportunity, come out and, and look at the area. It's, it's beautiful. And 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 I think doing a project out there might disrupt what already is a beautiful life mm-hmm. out there. It's different, but it's beautiful. So I, so I think it depends. And I think we need to look at each and every um, Colonia neighborhood for what it is. And there's people there with different needs. And we can't always assume, because we think it's the best thing to do, that that's what they want or need.
1: Well said. Some people want independence, and they want to kind of have that. Separation. Yeah. Well, Catherine, I'm really glad that we finally could uh, work this out on our calendars. Um, I, I, this is such an interesting and important topic to me. I look forward to sharing it with folks, but thank you for the information and your time.
0: Awesome. I, I appreciate you, Travis, and I'm glad we also were able to connect.
1: Thanks a lot.
0: Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Waterloo, water
1: Waterloo. The Waterloop podcast is brought to you by High Sierra Showerheads, the smart and stylish way to save water, energy, and money while enjoying a powerful shower. Use promo code WATERLOOP for 20% off at highsierrashowerheads.com. You're in the Waterloop.